I suspect that a number of you spent some of this past week sort of exhaling, maybe sighing in relief. Others of you might still be in the midst of lots of emotions, whether that's yours or those around you. I do want to take a, a moment just to like sort of uh, uh, proverbially or figuratively inhale and exhale together. This week, um, in the before times, the week after a presidential election, especially one that is so uh, fraught, naturally your priest in charge or rector would deliver that sermon and the worship committee. And I, I think, you know, Matt and others sort of decide several weeks in advance what things or worship type things matter and how they want things to unfold over a certain period of time. With, you know, and, and interestingly enough, uh, Matt was able to somehow kind of squeak by without actually delivering a post-election sermon, you know, with pre-recording and pandemic and delayed election results. I have now accidentally been tasked with delivering your post-election sermon. I'll be honest with you, and truly, all political ideology aside, seeing Madam VP-elect Kamala Harris assert her place at the metaphorical helm made me feel like I was made for this moment. I don't actually think this is how God works, but it, it just sort of felt like somehow I had been sort of divinely picked to preach this sermon on this day to this St. James community. I, I think we all can agree that St. James's is a community that's welcoming to all and, and strives to be welcoming to all. It's also a place of um, you know, diverse voices. And I would say there's even diversity within our diversity. And what I mean by that is there's there's age diversity and um, race diversity and uh, what other, cl some class diversity and other, other forms of uh, diversity that I am not thinking of right now. I'm the daughter of a South American immigrant. Um, I grew up in mostly white schools and churches and white neighborhoods. So um, I actually have a story for you. At one of our first staff meetings at St. James's, I hope this conveys my like affection for this community, but I, uh, we were doing like a get to know you, spiritual practice at the beginning and whoever it was that was uh, had prepared for that week had a like well-intentioned, thoughtful, articulate question and asked, but it was sort of a reminder to me of like, okay, this is still sort of a white, mostly white uh, community is that I, I think the person asked, what family lore did you grow up hearing? And I quick had to Google family lore because only a white New Englander would use that term to ask about somebody's ancestors. <laughs> um, but when it came to my turn, I'll admit, I was 
kind of embarrassed because all I could think about was my dad having lived in rural Columbia in the 40s with a dirt floor, a feral three-legged dog, and no running water. And these were the stories that I grew up hearing. So, you know, like everybody goes through and they have these kind of normal family lore, family lore stories. And this is the all I can think of. So I'm sitting there in the staff meeting thinking, man, I uh, have this like really gnarly uphill both ways kind of uh, uh, sort of family legend or something. Um, so anyway, if you're not laughing, you need to lighten up because I'm laughing. I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> um, but, I, but all of this to say, what I'm trying to illustrate is that this was the first sort of professional and spiritual setting that I was allowed and invited uh, to um, uh, contend isn't the right word. I was going to say contend with my non-white self, but like, but to be able to decenter my own whiteness within me for a moment. St. James is, it really has been a place where I have felt safe enough to do that, to do just that, to decenter my own whiteness within me. And then it sort of flows from there, decentering whiteness in my, um, in my personal life and my professional life, and it goes out from there. Now, I hope that what I'm getting at here is, is really clear. And just in case it's not, I, I'll reiterate that I believe we are all in process. I don't expect you to be perfect and I hope that you don't expect me to be perfect. But when we work together, when we preference human dignity over the bottom line, every time that we as a community stand up for those for who whatever reason can't stand up for themselves, that's when we're able to do things. And you know what happens in those moments when we are working together in this way for those ends, you know what happens? The Madam Vice President-Elect, a black woman, daughter of immigrants, commands the national stage for the world to see. St. James's is still located in a divided country within a divisive cultural moment amidst divided families and broken friendships and relationships directly related to the last four years. That's the moment we're in, friends. Now, I'm fairly confident if we were able to actually count accurately, out of those who are watching this service, I suspect there is a contingent of you who have experienced relational tension directly related to the last four to five years and the dawn of Trumpism. Actually, you know what? I didn't plan this, but let's try this. This may not work, I have no idea, but we're gonna see. If you are comfortable, I would invite you to put a little hand emoji in the chat box or write the word me if, let's try this. If you feel comfortable, you don't have to, but if you feel comfortable with doing this, I think it would be interesting um, and give us maybe some perspective about the moment we're living in.
So raise your hand, type the word me, if you have some relationship, friendship, family member, something, some relationship in your life that has experienced uh, direct sort of tension or severing related to the last four to five years and directly related to the dawn of Trumpism. I have no idea if this is gonna work. But what I'm hoping this illustrates, once again, is the cultural moment that we're living in right now. Even in St. James's, even in within St. James's. So as a Latina, I'll be honest with you, I was not prepared for the amount of like internalized, like, that's a technical term, that would sort of instantaneously leave my body when uh, Madam VP-elect sort of opened her mouth to speak on Saturday night or last Saturday night. So after this, you know, Saturday night, go to bed. I did not anticipate either that I would be going live for YouTube church school at 9.30 the next morning. All right, no big deal. Saturday night, I go to bed, I wake up Sunday morning. I got this, right? No big deal. The first female of color vice president elect was present, you know, presenting herself to the world last night. Like, no big deal. I got this. Then there's an earthquake. No big deal. Take a deep breath, get my internet going. Okay, great. My internet's jumpy and spotty. <sighs> Take another deep breath, pull myself together to uh, go live. Puffy ba bags under my eyes from crying all night out of like, I don't know, lots of feelings. No big deal. I got some good uh, cover up magic going on, right? By the sheer grace of God, I was able to manage to pull myself together long enough to talk to the church school group about what it was like seeing a biracial woman ascend. And I think this meme actually sums it up brilliantly. Somehow, friends, I managed to get through the whole thing with very, very slight, just like misty eye situation going on, no actual tears. And that is actually saying something because I'm also the person that is crying at every other puppy video I see. It was in this Sunday school lesson that one of, somebody asked, how did your daughter respond to seeing the um, VPLX speech? My daughter's three and a half years old and she was already asleep and I fluffed off the question and made a joke about like hashtag toddler mom life or something and a few days later I sat down to start my sermon prep and I was looking for a little inspiration and figuring out the direction I was going and I pulled up a video of Kamala Harris's speech. My daughter walked over to ask me a question and she catches view of the screen and says, oh mama, that lady and you, you have matching hairs. Of course, I'm now like in pieces, just bawling my eyes out that my daughter so casually made this association. 
And friends, it's, it's exactly my daughter's casual observation of Madam VP elect that gives me hope today. Because all of a sudden I realized that this is the next generation uh, who, on the one hand, will never know what it's like to live in a world without Trumpism, but on the other hand is growing up in a mildly better place. A world where a biracial woman, the daughter of immigrants, was just elected vice president of the United States of America. It's important that I've made myself very clear. This is not about the red team and it's not about the blue team. This is about the humanity team. I did not grow up in a world where I saw biracial women of color be good at their jobs and be rewarded for it. Maybe one professor in college that I can think of so however the heck it happened that I'm standing here on this day after this election preaching this sermon to this forward-thinking community, I couldn't feel more affirmed. You all know that the work isn't done. The division and brokenness like doesn't just magically sort of disappear overnight. And I want to name that as long as there are millions of people still in extreme poverty, as long as we are still in the midst of this raging global pandemic that continues to devour the most vulnerable communities around us, uh, as long as people do not have access to education to like better their lives if they choose, as long as people are neglected, the like basic right of uh, access to a healthcare provider, uh, as long as people are not able to earn an equal wage due to their sexual orientation, gender, or color of their skin, as long as our earth continues to cry out that we have decimated her, the work is not finished. One of my favorite public figures likes to say it this way. She says, we meet a machine with a movement. Yes, we meet the machine of racism with a movement. We meet the machine of heteronormativity with a movement. We meet the machine of bigotry and hatred with a movement. Friends, we meet the machine of sin with a movement and this is it you're here you're doing it you are having the tough conversations you're moving through the pain and the discomfort together you're listening to each other and finding ways to express yourself i mean think about this saint james Think about this, church. Six to eight of you, I actually don't know the numbers. Uh, so I should say a, a number of you, <laughs> I think it's like, I don't know, four to eight of you or something, are choosing to talk about your racialized trauma once every two weeks for like, what, an hour and a half? Think about this for a moment. I need you to take this in. 
You're choosing that. What? Yes, you're choosing that. At the you know highest levels of St. James's community, you continue to make uh, decisions that make space to decenter our whiteness. And, and you find, you continue to find ways to amplify other voices. No more are the days that girl, you know, biracial little girls, girls of color in growing up in mostly white neighborhoods, no more are the days where they look up at a church pulpit and are, are only able to imagine an old white dude standing there. I'm here preaching this sermon today to this forward-thinking community, overwhelmingly like grateful, humbled, honored, and like bursting with a sense of affirmation in my call and in who God made me to be. Because I really do think y'all are doing it. I know I did not preach on the scriptures today. And uh, you know I can also bring a really good scripture sermon. But today is not that kind of sermon. Today is a sermon about how we meet the machine of sin with a movement. And may the breath of God be the life of this movement and the life of this moment. Amen.